Welcome to My Best 11 podcast. Today we are joined by a West Country, I'd say West Country legend. He's, he's so well liked down there um, and loved down there. And also ex-manager of a number of clubs, including Weymouth, Torquay, Bristol, um, very own Luton, Cheltenham, and is currently living in the States um, at the moment. And Marv is actually in another room to make sure we are keeping this legit. Some people have seen on social media who we're talking about. We're talking about Paul Buckle. How are you, Paul? Hi, Andrew. Hi, Marv. Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Excellent, excellent. Marvin, how is how's the how's the holiday? And how is seeing Paul? Holiday. Um, yeah, I mean he's a he's a he's a tremendous host. Um, he moans a lot, as most as most ex-players do. Well, yeah, ex-player and manager. I mean, don't touch that, Marv. What are you doing over there, Marv? Leave that alone, Marv. It's like Again, I mean, I think he gets me confused with his son, Teddy, sometimes. So it's fine. I mean, I'm a kid at heart. That's true. Which one's better behaved as a, in the house? Marvel, Marvel, your son? <laughs> he's, Andrew, let me tell you, Marvin, he's smart. He, he's smart. He's got in there saying that I'm moaning way before I can get in there about him. Marv's really interested. You know, like I said, Marv, just don't touch them curtains. Yeah, right, Bucks. Next minute they're on the floor. Um, don't let the cats in, Marv. Yeah, okay, then both cats are in. And he's just trying to change everything. But, yeah, he's definitely more high maintenance than my five-year-old, Teddy. And, um, <laughs> and, and, and he's been threatening me, as you know, on social media for the last six years, I think, to beat me at tennis, which I'll let him explain how that went today. <laughs> oh, yeah, listen. Yeah, we'll get straight into it now. 6-1, six, 6-love, six, 6-1 to Bucks. Listen, you've been playing. I said, I'm glad all those lessons you've been having, which when I've been down there, it's paid off. I'll be back tomorrow. I mean, or tonight. We'll play again. We'll play again. No problem. Fantastic. We are here, though, to talk about Paul, <laughs> yeah. Paul's playing career. And we're also touching his management as well. But Paul's playing career and the best 11 players he ever set foot on a pitch with. So those newcomers to the pod... What we can do is we're going to go through, um, first off, look at formation, then go through the team. Halfway through, um, we'll have miles 60 seconds, and then we'll finish off by Paul talking about the best manager he's ever worked under as well. So we will start off with um, formation, Paul. Where are you going with formation? Well, this isn't a formation, Andrew, that I like to play, but to get this team, these, these individuals in, I've gone 4-4-2. Um, because I want to, I want to be really attack-minded. So I have four four attackers in there without giving too much away. So yeah, four four two system, and I've got loads of subs. Not that those subs will be very happy. <laughs> Honourable mentions are allowed. Just going to your four four two. You said that you're doing it almost to fit the players in. Is that something you ever did as a manager? In terms of, would you change your methods to fit, especially when you go into a club mm. to start with? Yeah, it's a good question. They say you shouldn't because it's almost like accommodating, right? And you shouldn't do it. But I did it once at Torquay where I had four strikers and I wanted to play them all. And I got them all into the office and said, right, okay, none of you are a winger. None of you, you know, really are an out out 10 and nine, but I want to play all of you up top. So they like looked at me and I said, but you've got to promise me one thing. When we lose the ball, you get back into those positions. So the nearest person to the right back, you go the nearest one to the left back, one short on the holding midfielder and one stay high. Can you do it? You've never heard forwards answer so quickly. 
yeah, we can do that. We can absolutely do that. And we, and it really worked. It really worked because the one thing it did, I had four out and out goal scorers on the field that yeah. could finish. And when we were crossing, say from the left, Jake Robinson, like Billy Key would be inside where you actually want wingers to be. And sometimes wingers won't be inside the fullback. So we really did crash the box when the ball was being delivered and, and um, very, you know, very direct and had two really responsible midfielders behind it in, in Lathrope and Unan O'Kane that you would know. But yeah, I've, that was the time where I really wanted to get them, them players on the field. Interesting. So we'll go on to goalkeepers, staff with goalie. Um, over to you. Give us some clues yeah. as we go. See if I can do any better than honorable mentions. previous episodes yeah. and honourable mentions. Okay, so this this goalkeeper obviously played with me, but he was also a colleague with me as well. He started his career at Millwall, I believe, and played a number of games at Colchester and Luton. On, Andrew. Has, he, has he been on this podcast? <laughs> he absolutely has been on this podcast, Andrew. He loves he's a great, pigeons. Great, he's a great friend. He loves great. pigeons. <laughs> he does. He does, from what we've heard. Um, Carl Emerson. Yes. Oh. Am, I, am I allowed to clench my fist if you, if when you get one right, Andrew? Yeah, he doesn't. doesn't. <laughs> How was he going to get that one wrong, by the way? Oh, come on, stop that. No, we're gonna, this is him <laughs> competing against me, ganging up on me because he, he knows that at the start, it was all Andrew. You was just bringing it to the table. But then now I've come strong in the last few weeks. He's all against me now. But listen, well done, Andrew. Hey, hey I, I grew up in the West Country. Well, I spent four or five years in the West Country. So I know a few of the players down there from, from my time down there. So but I, anyway, I, we'll get right, on to Embo. Back. We're here at Embo. Yeah, <laughs> Embo. Go on, Embo. Go to Embo. Em- what was it, Ben Bucks? Embo. Well, you know him well, Marv. And, yeah. and you've had him on the show, obviously, Andrew. He, what you see is what you get with Embo. I think that is how I'd explain him in a nutshell. He, you know, and you, you want that when you're in management, you want staff around you that are not going to sugarcoat it. You know, they're going to tell you how it is. I think he's he's been a winner wherever he's been. Maybe he said he won't be able to get his head through the door, Mark, will he? Like listening to this. He, he's been a winner and he, he understands how to win. Um, he's, he's, he's great company. I'm going to share the car school with him. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. We'll say how he's in the car school as well. He, he can be really harsh, you know. Um, but yeah, he's 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 a great he's he's, he's a great friend. Um, he's somebody you definitely want in your team, and um, he never shirked responsibility. So yeah, Embo em, Embo for me, and also he, he had a long career. He's a he's 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 a real winner. That's how I describe him. Yeah. So what makes him better than the other goalies who you could have picked? What what particular characteristic is it about the goalie? Because they're a different breed. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously playing with him a number of games, you know, his consistency in the way he was and his demands and his expectations. I mean, I played with, you know, going back to like Tony Parks. I had Tony Parks written down to start with, um, who was fantastic. I was a, a young a young kid at Brentford at the time trying to make it. And Parks, he was great with us, you know, and he yeah. he he um is a legend obviously at Spurs and Steve Perriman brought him in. And um he was a fantastic keeper. I mean, they're all mad, by the way, keepers of Ashley Bays, uh, crazy, uh, obviously Kelvin Davis. Kelvin actually come and played, I don't know if you knew this, Marv, but he come on loan to Torquay. Yeah. As a kid, yeah. as a kid. Uh, I think Basie got injured and Kelvin coming in, you could see straight away he was a top goalkeeper, Kelvin. You know, even as I think he might have been 18 or 19, yeah. he come in. 
Um, and I got to know Kelv when I when I went to work at Southampton a little while ago. So yeah, um, some really good goalies. But with Embo, there was a consistency about him. He made it clear what he wanted from the back four. I think he always contributed, Andrew, as well, like half-time if it weren't going right. Or even if it was going well, he would say. You know, I think he was, that's why for me, um, and winning promotion with him as well. You know, so one promotion with him at, uh, at Colchester, where he played yeah. very well on the night. He played very well at Wembley. And as goalies go, like you said, I mean, he, he was quite smart, Mo, in my opinion. He was quite smart. He wasn't like daft as a brush, as you would say some goalies are. Emmo's quite smart. I'll give him that credit. Yeah, I think he knew his strengths and weaknesses. So if you're going to make it, as you know, Marv, you've got to know what your strengths and weaknesses are. And he knew that. He knew. But when it come to the crunch, when it really come down to it, you could really rely on him. And he, you know, he had a, when he was at Walsall, I think he was at Walsall when he was Walker when yeah. he was fighting for walks. You know, and he, he he knew that Walker was a really good goalie. He would say that, Embo, you know, but yeah. but it, but Walker knew he had to be on his game in training and every week because Embo was ready to go in. So I think he he's shown a lot as a as a really true professional. No, definitely, definitely. So moving on to right back. Right back. Um yeah, this player started his career at Tottenham and I played with him at Brentford. Um athletic, Ooh. got forward. I think, so back in the, what would it have been, in the 90s when I played at Brentford, he, he, he came in from Spurs and um, he's almost like a Carl Walker type, you know, he's ahead of his time for me. And a great laugh off, off the field as well. We had a, a yeah, and of course there was, there's a drinking culture at the time. <laughs> Brentford, there's no point in, in, in line at that time. And um, Brian, or said his name, Ego, so my bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you killed it. Okay, you idiot, Damn it! What am I doing? No, he was—he was brilliant on and off the field. Hopefully, he still won't get him. But like, are you, are you saying—is—is is he right back or left back? This one, right back. I thought he's left back, Statham. All right, it's fine. Brian Statham, yeah. Well played, Marv. How do you know him, or how did you know him? Tottenham. I mean, Tottenham. Ball then. I thought he, I thought he's a left back. I thought he's a left no. back. I don't know. You mean, no. Okay. All right. No, unless he, unless he gives you a ring, and I've got it wrong. No, he was right back for us. No, no you play you play against Yeah, safe. well, yeah, because he was the um, same age as um, Philip Gray. He played in the same team, came with, I think, apprentices at the same time at Tottenham coming through. And yeah, Stafe was like, I just, but for some reason, I just thought he was a left back. I don't know why. Andrew, but, right, yeah, what, an, what, Andrew, hold on a minute. What an anorak Marvin is. He's, <laughs> I'll tell, oh, tell you what, it's amazing knowledge. His, his knowledge and his memory is incredible going back to the youth days. It's, yeah, well, that's, that's why he's. Go on. <laughs> I, saw, I, I saw one of the comments that was actually put on Twitter after one of our recent podcasts was that I need to get the Rothmans oh. 1980s book. <laughs> Do you know what? Yeah, I saw that. Do you know I what? He's probably right because no. Marv is like an... I, I reckon I'm a Rothmans from noughties onwards, but Marv is like a Rothmans all the time. It's amazing. That's hard. That's harsh, though. That's harsh because like you're younger, much younger than me. And so, like I said... I know those players, or I, if, if roughly that era, I should know those players because I played with against most of them. Like, Stafe was like one who's like same age as me. So I should roughly, like you said, Tottenham, you know, I mean, Defender as well. You can work how would you summarize so. Stafe and Paul? How would you, for those, for those younger fans, how would you summarize him? Well, you, you let, well, you, you put it nicely with Carl Walker. I think, yeah, yeah you spot on there. Spot on. You think back. so, Marv? Yeah. yeah he, spot he, um, on. You need to bomb forward. Yeah. Quick. So, 
very, very quick, very quick and strong. Almost now we could play as a centre-back. If Brian was around now in the modern game, in especially in a three, you'd have him as a, you'd have him as centre-back. He, he was no nonsense as well. So like he come from Tottenham and sometimes you might think at the time he's come from Tottenham, it'd be all about skill. But, but Stave could really put his foot in and at the time that's what you had to do. I know you can't do that now as much, but that was a big part of the game back then. And um, I know he just bought quality coming from somewhere like Tottenham to Brentford um, was great for us. When we saw him come in and saw him train, his athleticism, but also, you know, he's always smiling, Stafe, always smiling. Um, he, he, again, again, he was someone that, you know, he, he would tell you in no uncertain terms. Um, if you weren't doing it, if you weren't doing it, he would, you know, he, you'd get roasted by Stafe. But again, it, if you did, did well, he would tell you. So, he had a lot, of, a lot of pluses. I don't actually remember where he went from Brentford. Um, no, I don't. Ask, I know Roth, ask, Roth, ask Rothmans. In the, <laughs> the yeah, don't know this one. He might have done a killing them. I don't know, I think. But he, he, done, he, done. He, he, he had, he had business interests as well. I'd be so. interested, I mean, interesting to know, I don't want to say any other names, but interesting to know the rest of your back four in a minute because there, there is some, I think, in my opinion, that's why I probably wasn't a minute, some decent players who I think in, could have played it right back, but it might depend on some. Who have I missed? No, no missed because you, you no, might you put them at centre back. I agree with Mark. There's one in particular in my head that I think I thought you would have put in there. There you go. See, so he might have moved in though. Let's just move along. Come on, well done. All right, so on. we'll go he left might... back. We'll go left back first yeah. of all. Okay. Now so this, this, this you know, this you know, Andrew, is it? You get you get a go now first, yeah. No, we're both. We're both doing it. We're both doing it. We're both. Eddie, just jump in. It's pot luck. Go on. Spot luck. All right. Um, this player also played for Tottenham, played a load of games for Spurs. Was he an, an international? He was a smaller player. He was an international. He could play either left back or right back. Um, he's turned out to be a first class manager as well. I'll let Andrew go on with this. He, he's too okay, he's going to let you go, Andrew. All right, I'll say a bit more. Uh, don't give him too many clues. Don't give him too many clues. Oh, uh, hang on a minute. He's, a, he's, a, he's the he... manager of Nottingham Forest, Andrew. That's exactly what I was. Do you know what? I was getting there. Chris Houghton. Yes, yeah, so I was getting there. Yes. I was just trying to remember his name. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Chris. Chris Houghton. Uh, I, I think he's underrated as a player. A lot and really underrated as a player. I don't think people remember him fondly as they do other players. But Maybe not been horrible. He must have been pushing on a bit when you played with him, Bucks. He was, he was, he was Marv. And, um, but talk about look after yourself. I mean, it's another thing when you're a young player. I mean, I was in the first team at Brentford at the time as a young player, and you see the level of professionalism that Chris bought. And I, and he used to pick me up from Millil. So we shared a car, and um, he was just class, and everything was football with him. Ev everything was, was talking about the game, you know, on the way in. He was serious. He brought a serious element to it. And I think as a, when you see somebody like that that stayed at the top as long as he did, you can learn so much as a young player. And, um, you know, he used, his, he used his head when he when, when, maybe when the legs had slowed down, down a bit when he came to Brentford, you could see his brain, the way he spoke to people. Um, yeah, so, and he is a top person. He really is. He's, he's someone as well over the years has always picked the phone up, Marv. You know, like when you're a manager, you're trying to sign right. a player and you want to have a chat. Always calls you back. Class act. I can't speak highly enough of, of Chris Hewitt. Oh, that's yeah. good. And, and he's brought us, he's pushed the success into management and 
I was actually reading an article the other day that everywhere he's been in the first in a championship in the first season, he's got me at least the playoffs. Really, which is right. an amazing stat. So the Forest fans are hopeful. Um, but is that? I mean, you said success, and he looked like a winner anyway. But management. You said he, he had his head. Did you see him go into management or did you think he was going to go into coaching or punditry? Or He was certainly interested in, in the coaching and he was one of those players that on the field, a marvel of play with loads of them, that just didn't stop talking the whole game. You know, information to the people in front of him, information into the midfield, feedback the whole time, well done. Just at the time you could see he was going to be a coach. I don't think I was thinking along the lines of who would be a manager or, or a coach at that time. I was too busy trying to survive and stay in the first team as a young player with these, a lot of these really, really top players around, you know, this, I mean, and that Brentford team, obviously as well, before that, it was hard to improve it. It was, it was one that, that had, um, we'd won promotion to the championship. Um, me and Marv were having a look today, actually, about how many times I've played against Marv. And, and when you look at the, the names and the players, it was such a good side, such a good team. But yeah, we, the, the, the bit of, in terms of experience, I understand that now. You know, what experience can bring, it's, it can settle down the younger players for sure. And Chris did that. Yeah. And is that what you try to look for then in a, te- in a squad and a team is a mixture of the, a couple of old heads or mm. older, you know what I mean? And, and with, with obviously the youngsters and they provide not only the legs, the youngsters, but the, the older ones also then provide a bit of, mm. a bit of knowledge, a bit of know-how, a bit of calm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The calm bits there, because if you're in a, a team or you're managing a team that's going for promotion, which I've, I've done, you do need that, them comments. You you need people in there like Pilks was at Luton, you know, in the first season there, some like Pilks and, and yeah, you need people in there that can calm it down and assure that the younger players that we, you know, we're good enough to do it. Yeah. No, oh, definitely. Moving on to centre-backs, wherever you want to go, which you yeah. decide. All right. Okay. Okay. So, so, this this guy is a is a manager now. He's currently managing um, a big club, a former Premier League club. Um, he was a younger player when I played with him, um, but again, someone that I knew would always go to the top. Absolutely top person, real real top person. I played with him at the second club I was at, or third club. So I was at I was on loan from Brentford, and then went oh. on. So. Oh, that threw my guess because I was guessing a different centre back. And I've, there's, there's a number. There's a number of centre backs. There really might be. Is. You might say the other one. You might say the I'm other gonna one. I'm going to go Darren Moore. Yeah, yeah, you got it. Bang. Well done. <laughs> oh, it? Marvin, 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 Marvin. No, I didn't get that. Darren you didn't Moore. get it. Well, Did no, you not know I played with him? Yeah, Torquay, wasn't he? Torquay. He was 18. Yeah. Yeah, you got talky. I know. I knew. I mean, it was, I didn't. I forgot about him. To be honest, I forgot about him. He wasn't on my radar. Big Darren Moore. Big Darren. Yeah. Moore. From what I hear, one of the one of the nicest, most well spoken managers in football right now. Where is he now? Is he? Was he at Doncaster? Sheffield Wednesday. Oh, that's Sheffield right. Wednesday yeah. Now. Was he at Doncaster? Did I imagine that? Yeah. 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 He went to. He went to Don. He got a move to Doncaster. I think from. Torquay at the time when Doncaster had a decent budget and stuff and they were going for it a little bit. Um, But Daz, the reason I went for Darren, I've I've played with, and I've got one left, but I've played with loads of really good centre-halves, which I'll mention after. And, you know, they've all got different strengths and characteristics. But the one thing with Darren was, especially being in League Two, and we got to the playoffs 
we got beat by Preston actually and Daz won't mind me saying it because I'm telling everyone what a great leader he was at such a young age and a great person but he cost us on that night at Deepdale he got sent off he let he let Rainer we were 2-0 up from the first leg and uh, Don O'Riordan who was a, a great manager player manager said look you know the one thing we can't do is get sucked in with any antics you know they're going to try and wind us up it was it was when it was the last ever game on AstroTurf up at Deepdale and John Beck was the manager. I don't know if you've come against up against him a few times. Cambridge, wasn't he? He was at oh, Cambridge, wasn't he? John, John Beck. And I'm not, I'm not here being a, a purist. It's about winning, of course. But they boomed it in the corners behind you. They got up behind it. There was We went out for the warm-up that night and it was it was full up already. You know, and you go out and think, here we go. And the one thing we had to do was survive that first half. And we, we went one nil down. We then come back. 1-1, one, one, so 3-1 up an aggregate and we're cruising. And then Rainer said something or did something with Daz and Daz sort of like put, pushed out and the ref, under the pressure of the fans, gave him the red card. So it was a killer. It was a, it was a killer on the night. And I think he would have learned from that, the big man. But what, what, that doesn't surprise me, Andrew, what he said about him as a manager now because he was like that. I remember him living with a family, Daz, and he was, and I, I remember, you know, because all of, when you moved to Devon, you sort of, <laughs> it's lockstock, you moved down there. And a lot of us were in digs, a lot of us lived in the Gulls Lodge. And he lived with a family, Daz. And he was so respectful, you know, which is massive, obviously, all the time. But let alone when you're a youngster coming through. But yeah, playing in a, playing in a position where, and Marv would know this as a young player, um, if you're going to, if you see a young player playing at centre-back, you're going to target him, aren't you? You know, um, yeah, close to the goal, but Darren was like a he was like a brick wall. Was he a big boy back then as well? Oh, massive! I couldn't believe he was eighteen when I turned up there. Eighteen, he's absolute beast, and he was so laid back, so laid back. You'd never see Moro flustered or anything, you know. And um, went on to have a brilliant career, yeah. and now he's doing well in management. Yeah, West Brom legend. Just, yeah, but I just wanted like touch on which I mean, obviously. A lot of Luton people know that you've managed a club, but um, I don't think too many would know that you, you actually came to Luton on trial and obviously um, had a time where it was a case where you wanted and you loved Luton and you wanted to play for Luton. Could you just tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, well, I didn't actually get a chance to come on trial. I mean, <clears throat> again, you would know this and all, all the ex-players and players and managers would know this. When, when you're round about... 13 back in the day when I was 13 the scouts were everywhere watching and it was Ron Howard is that right Marv? Ron, Ron Howard yeah Ron Howard Ron Howard Ron Howard fantastic absolute gentleman he um, I was I was a I was a good player obviously at that time as a youngster and playing in the district team of county and then K Division of England all them, them things and he was always there and he was always going up to me dad saying you know Paul's a Luton player because I was small and I could play and I ended up, there's no disrespect to Watford, but I ended up going to Watford, which I should never, I know, I know, I've dropped your head. I should never have, I should never have done it. There are no regrets, but I shouldn't have done it. I mean, it was back in the time where they were back to front, no two ways about it. And I now remember playing in one game when Graham Taylor come to watch to see like, you know, who's going to be an apprentice and that type of thing. I never touched the ball and did not touch the ball. <laughs> it just went and went and went. And Ron Alwood, and Ron Howard, like, you know, he was convinced. He must have asked 10 times for me to go come to Luton. And we didn't. Watford, Watford got me on the schoolboy forms. 
and that was it. I, I was I was there with Tom Wally and and it was a different way, Marv. It's a totally different culture. What because I knew I knew people that was players that were at Luton and I, I saw the players that come out of Luton as well, by the way, you know, which we can talk about later. I saw some great technical players that come out. And I don't think at the time that was that was the way it was at, at um at Watford. It just it was it was a wrong choice for me. And I do I, I do wish I'd have uh, I'd have listened to Ron. <laughs> so, so, I mean, did, did you say so you did an apprenticeship at Brentford? Is that where, where yeah, I didn't, I didn't, yeah, I didn't get taken on in the end at Watford. I, you know, and you look back on the schoolboy forms, you're signing them, should, should never be signing the schoolboy forms because they don't guarantee you nothing back right. in the day. But um, yeah, I was, I ended up at Brentford. I mean, I was, a, I was actually a junior hatter, I was inspired by uh, Paul Price, the old centre back, many moons ago, come and give out the medals. Because obviously I was born in Wellington City, not far away, and I think right. that's where Price lived. And he 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 came out and gave the medals out one evening at the club that I played at. So I become sucked in then and went become a junior hatter. I watched a, and I watched a lot of games. Went with my dad took me a lot to go and watch Luton. But well, who was yeah. it though who spotted you for Brentford to get you to come to Brentford and get you initially to sign Steve, on? Steve Perriman rang up. Okay. Steve Steve Perriman had just taken the job. He was I think Steve was 36, 37, and he just left Tottenham and. It was his first managerial job. And I think it was the first time that Brentford were going to have apprentices. And, and it was a blessing, really, Mark, because he gave me my debut at 16. And um, it, I think in the end, about eight of us got in the first team. It was absolutely yeah. fantastic. Eight, eight of us made our debuts, got in there, and went on to have careers. And there's no way we could have done it if we hadn't been under the stewardship of, of, of Steve and then it was Phil Older, right. Colin, Colin Lee. And because they treated us, it's like, you know, you got you had two years to make it and we did everything. We we absolutely did everything on and off the field. Um, we had no time off the field, really. We And we were playing in the reses at 16, you know, alongside playing in the Southeastern Counties. And um, them interactions with them senior players was, oh my God, you can't put a price on it. That's why I'm an advocate of it now. You know, I'm an advocate of, of the younger players being in and around the first team players because it just fast tracks them as to what's needed. So um, we were lucky. Steve was massive on youth. He was huge on, you know, he got given a chance at Spurs, you know, built by Bill Nick and he brought that in where he made us fearless. He made us believe that we could make it. So I can't speak highly enough of, of the staff there at Brentford. Yeah, definitely. Oh, so next centre-back, next to Darren Moore. Mm. Uh, again, I've put this player ahead of players that have played higher level than this player, but I won with him. I got promoted with him and he's another former Luton player. Um, probably should have played more games at Luton, certainly in his opinion. And, I agree. And, uh, I'd agree with that. I would agree with that. On a, on a serious note, he, you know, he talk about it a lot. This player was really conscientious. We'll talk about, I think he was, he was gutted when he left Luton. Did he, drop, did he go down? I think I know who it is. Did he go down a league to join? He did, I think. Andrew. Yeah, he come. He 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 he, he, um, he was at the club when I when I arrived. I think I think he was at the club when I arrived. Or did we sign him? We might. He might have been on loan, and then we signed him. I think we both come arrived there at the same time. But I think what what he did when he if he'll, he'll mind me saying it, he didn't quite fulfill his potential at Luton, but he certainly did at the club that he arrived at with me. And he become a brilliant leader and a, a great friend. Which is Colchester? Yes. 
<laughs> no, no, no. I think I, I, you know what? I'm second guessing myself. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna say, Paul. What's his surname? Yeah, black hair, didn't he? Yeah, black hair. He went. He went. He went to. He went to Cardiff. Cardiff came in for. Oh, not Paul. <laughs> David Green. Yes. David Green. David yes. Green. How many games did he play for Luton? I don't know. I don't know. But just just to carry on to what you've just said, that I want to say that um, Greeny. Um, like technically was like decent, more than decent, in my opinion, better than what people gave him credit for. And the one game which I really remember when he played, I think it might have been his debut, he played in the league or a cup game at West Ham, right? And he split his head open, they bandaged him up and he went back out and I thought, do you know what? Clopsy, I mean, we call him, his name was Clopsy, his nickname was, but I thought, Greeny, that that that, that game was a making of you. But for some reason, I don't know what it was. I mean, it'd be interesting to speak to him about it. He didn't kick on from that because I thought he was excellent at that game. I mean, as a centre-half, young kid at Upton Park, right, the chicken and all that, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult place to play. And he, and he did really well for his man of the match in that game. I can't remember what game it was now, but yeah, it's weird. He, he held the record for the most under-21 caps, I think, in Republic of Ireland. He? he did right. do it at the time. He, he he did do it at the time. But he, you know, um, again, I keep saying back in the day, because it was a long time ago, he was in the car school with us, with Embo and that, and we'd have some right laughs, you know. You, there wasn't much time for sentiment back then, but if, if ever, like, I was with him, we could have some deep conversations if it was just me and me and Dave. Like, we, he'd talk about Luton, you know, he'd grind on him. And even when I was yeah. when 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 I was uh, manager at Luton, like um, Greeny come with his boy, like come to one of the games and come into the office and stuff, and he would talk about it, you know. So I'd listen because it meant a lot to him. The club meant an awful lot to him, and he and Marv's right. He had a right foot, a left foot. I chose him because obviously, when you win with someone as well, um, and you play that many games, you get to know them. He and and I respected that he hadn't quite made it at. Uh, Luton, you know, as, as a rule to be an established player and then to pick himself up and come and fight. And he was like every game, every game he was he was like on it and he could score goals. I think one season, maybe the season we, we went up, he got eight goals. He was wow. lethal from corners. He used to say, so Wiggy, who was the gaffer, we'd spend Fridays on the corners like you do. And Wiggy's like, you know, we want this run round the back, you check, block, Bucks deliver it, you know, into the space on the near. And then Greeny had just walked by me and go, look, listen to that. Just watch me. I'm going to walk away three yards. And when I turn, just deliver it. <laughs> and I'm like, don't let me down, Greeny. And he would just arrive. Like I knew I just had to keep it away from the keeper. And he would come and arrive and he could head a ball. The one thing. Yeah, he could. Yeah. And then you would know them coaches at Luton, Marv. They really develop players. Them coaches at Luton yeah. for years. Yeah. It's like a conveyor belt coming out of there. The competencies in right foot, left foot, and um, heading it. And because uh, I asked a few of the Luton players, like, you know, you can ping it with your right, you know, you can ping it with your left. You know, you're talking about 30, 40 yard ball. And they used to, I don't know if you, if you were part of it, they used to do a thing at Luton where they would balance, they would, you'd stand on your right foot and you would kick through like bricks. Uh, yes. To like, yes. To like, yes. Uh, I don't know if I'm explaining it right, Marv, but basically. No, you are, you are. It was to do yeah. with your stand, your standing leg, and and, and it was like religion. They they do it and do it. And if you obviously missed through hitting the ball or whatever they were going at, you kick the brick. You soon learn. 
Yeah, yeah it was a brick, was it? Yeah. Yeah. But the players, honestly, unbelievable, both feet. You know, that's proper development. Yeah, definitely. Especially these days, there's still players playing the England squad and internationals that you'd say that one of their legs is a standing leg. Yeah. No, this is this was like unbelievable. And I played with several ex-Luton players and they're all the same that have come through the system. Oh, accolades, accolades. So we'll move, well, what we'll do is we'll, we'll let you... Did you want to give some honourable mentions before we head into I'm, a great call? Can, can I just throw in there a couple of names? I'm not saying that obviously it's your 11. I'm not saying that they should have got in there. Can I? He was a decent centre half. Uh, is it J- Bates? Jamie Jamie Bates? He Bates was a, quite a tough. But yeah, yeah, he was a tough. Bates he, Bates he was. And there was a time at Brentford where we had all six footers at the back because we used to get, we used to hit the front and, and join a bit, you know, second balls and that. But um, no, Bates he was, yeah, you're right. He, he, done, he done really well. I mean, I, I said I've played with a load of yeah. good centre centre-backs, Marv, you know, Terry Evans, you know, back in the day when it was about editing it, you know, yeah. getting the midfield off your gum and edit, do the basics, Terry. Keith Millen was a top player. Keith, I was going to say, yeah. yeah. He Millie, of course, of course, of course, but he would know that. And um, I, I, you know, what I about that? I think another young lad, well, he was a youngish lad, I remember playing, he used to bomb on for fun, Hutchins. Like, Carl Hutchins, actually, yeah. Yes. I didn't really play much with Hutchie. Okay. But, I tell you what, it, he's, that's a that's a blast from the past with Arch. He was, and and, and again, Carl, if, if if you watch this, you won't mind me saying it. He was limited, actually, right, in okay. terms of ability. But I tell you what, work ethic, incredible. That's that's why I remember about. I thought incredible because he used to get forward a lot, and I thought he used to cause us problems a lot. Because he had dreadlocks to be or something. Yeah, Dave. Dave Webb, yeah, he did. Dave Webb. So when there was the big change, like I was there probably what, six or seven years. And then when when Phil left, Phil Older left, uh, Dave Webb come in and things change as they do, right? Different era. And, and actually, he give Achi a chance. And Because Achi was like six foot, good in the air. You know, there was a guy called Joe Gadsden who was the youth coach, another good coach. And I'm not, I'm not saying that Ach weren't, you know, quality uh, no. players. You get me? It, 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 it's yeah. a fair comment, I think. But, his work ethic every day, Marv, first out, last in, um, was always going to be a player. And when he got right. on the field, I think he knew how to be successful. I think he knew right. his strengths and he had an incredible engine, which, yeah. again, got, got you quite away back then. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. So what we're going to do is we're going to pause for a short break. And then when we come back, we'll have Marv's quick fire 60 seconds. Hi, my name is Kevin Nichols. Hi, my name is Kingsley Black. Hi, my name's Rebecca Lowe. Hi, my name's Tony Thorpe. My name's Graham Alexander. I'm David Oldfield. Hi, my name's Steve Davis. My name's Carl Emerson. Hey, it's Emerson Boyce here. Hi, my name's Stephen Robinson. My name is Andy Kiwamia. And you're listening to my best. And you are listening to my best. To my best. 11 podcast. And you're listening to my best 11 podcast. Welcome back to part two of My Best Eleven with Paul Buckle. We're going to start off, as ever, with Miles' 60 seconds. So Miles got 60 seconds to ask as many questions as you can. Paul, just go through whatever answer comes into your head. Not thinking time, just quick fire as quick as you can. So, when you're ready, Marv. You ready? Yes, go, go for it, Marvellous. All right, best ground you have played at. Best ground you have played at. Wembley. Messi or Ronaldo? 
Messi. VAR or no VAR? VAR. Favourite other sport apart from football? Tennis. Bundesliga, La Liga or Serie A? Uh, La Liga. If you wasn't a footballer, what would you have done? What a question. Probably, probably landscape gardening. Mm. Best player you have ever seen live with your own eyes? Live. Been, been to the game and seen. Paul, Paul Gascoigne. Okay. Um, Pele or Maradona? Oh, can't believe I'm going to say it. Maradona. <laughs> and last one, Marv. Okay. If you could have chosen any club in the world to play for team-wise, which team would that be? Any team in the world. Arsenal. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. A gooner at heart. Well in Garden City. Yes. There yeah. you go. Straight down the line to um to Finsbury Park. Park. Yep. <laughs> Fantastic. So that was Marv 60 seconds. You can listen into that and you can probably get an idea of the type of person, the type of manager, the type of um the type of player that you were. Before we go into your um the rest of your team, you were manager at um, a number of clubs. Just talk us through um, why you went into management. What what made you go want to go into it? I actually I actually had no intention of going into management. I was more interested in developing players. So my journey my journey very quickly was I come out of professional football really around about thirty two, and then went to uh, Aldershot where I got offered a three year contract. So I went there, and it was obviously Tuesday night Thursday night training, which allowed me then to start um, acclimating into coaching so I a good friend of mine a mentor said Paul you know don't go straight into the academy and what you know so right he said you know get used to working with numbers maybe work in schools for free and different stuff so that's what I did I I went and worked in Devon um, at uh, underprivileged school I worked with special needs children Um, I've I've done things like tag rugby uh, you know netball everything I did everything where his his look was that, you know, I could make mistakes. I could make mistakes with numbers. Kids, you know, wouldn't see that. So you, you couldn't do that at a professional level. So that's what I did. I loved it. I really enjoyed, at the best times, working with working with those groups. Uh, I'll never forget the, the joy on, on the kids' faces, especially the, you know, the, the special needs children down in Dawlish, where, you know, made their day, absolutely made their day and it really put a perspective on things for me. And then... Went to with the U10s at Exeter. My my training then was all the way through the Exeter Academy. So I did every age group through there. Then I got a break where they Julian Tag asked me if I would coach the 18s, which I did. Um, and then Alex Inglethorpe came in as the head coach and wanted me then to assist him, which I was reluctant. I turned that down. So that was the first part of me saying I don't really want to be in you know, the top end in professional football because I was enjoying the development of it. And really, truthfully, I was enjoying doing that and then letting the lads go, get them through into the first team. And because um, I, I felt I knew knew what they needed. So but in the end, Alex, being Alex, he, he persuaded me. I had a great year with him, learned loads, a, a brilliant uh, cut run with him where we went to Old Trafford. and Yes, I remember that, yeah. That saved Exeter in many ways, you know, the money that was made. Then Alex, he actually got an offer to go to a, to a big club from there, which which he turned down and he ended up going to Spurs, um, where he's done brilliant, and now obviously Liverpool. And then I went with, I was working with Paul Tisdale 
for a year, completely different manager. I learned so much from their managers and Steve Perriman, who's their director of football, being in the office every day, seeing how they interacted with players. And it was a class club. They're, they're class people. They did it right. I learned so much from them. And I was player assisting again. I'd, I'd gone back to playing for them, um, as well as assisting, taking sessions, started to do my badges. And then at the end of that season, where we got we got beat in the playoff final by Morecambe, Tiz was just going on holiday and I got a, a knock at the door from Colin Lee, who offered me the Torquay job, who had just been relegated out of the Football League for the first time in their history. And I, again, it weren't for me, but I... I don't know. I, I just, in the end, I took it. It wasn't, it wasn't like I didn't have this great thing where I've got to be a manager. I want, you know, it wasn't, that wasn't what it was, but I suppose I'd, I'd done enough in those years and Colin thought that, that I could do the job. I knew the league, you see, as well. So I knew yeah. the league very yeah. well, which is important. And I took it on. I, I, I went and, uh, I went and took, took the job. So that was, yeah. And I suppose, I suppose it would have kept me away from, messing up people's lawns and being that landscape gardener as well. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's really, really interesting that it's, mm. and I think that's a message to obviously ex-pros, but also the general public as well, that um, if you don't, you may not necessarily want definitely kind of know where you're going. Um, it's about the journey as much as the end goal, because once you get to the end, it could be, it could change, but it's the journey in itself that you grow as much from. That's what you said about working in Dawlish and, and places like that. So that's really, really interesting, Paul. Yeah, just to build on that, one one of the things I was always taught is like just, you know, in football, you never know when your chance is going to come. Marv would have heard that. You've just got to keep working and doing the right things. And that's what I've always tried to do. And opportunities have, have come off the back of that. I've never really searched them out, if you like. But if 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 you keep working really hard and you you try to be an expert in your field and do your best you can, especially when I was an assistant, you know, it can be noticed. So um, that's why now, you know, when I've worked with assistants and I've worked with coaches, you know, I'm always quick to, to, to make sure I get them in the limelight as well, because your staff do a great job behind the scenes for you. Isn't it? No, definitely. Definitely. So, so far we get back to the uh, best 11. So far we've got Carl Emerson, Brian Statham, Chris Hooten, Darren Moore, and David Green. So Paul's playing four four two. So you just let us know where you're going to start. Centre midfield, wings. Let's start in the middle because it's important. Okay. Important in a four four two to get this right. So I'm, I'm going for one that's going to sit in a bit more and serve the ball and play behind it. And I'm going to go for one that's going to get on and get me some goals. So the first one is the holding midfielder, a great leader was a captain in the teams that I played in, um, ex-Chelsea, before he came come and played with me. I was going to say, that was going to be my next clue. I said, did he play at Chelsea? I think I, I know who it is then. Which club did you play with did him he play Brent- he play- Brentford. He played with me. He played with me at Brentford and he was captain. And I tell you what, <laughs> he's in America now, actually. He's, he's working over he? he He never gave me a minute's peace. <laughs> He's bollocking me every two. I couldn't do anything right with him. He used to slaughter me. He used to slaughter me. But he got the best out of me. He 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 was in my ear the whole time. But um, he, he did. Did he? Really uh, did he? I'm trying to give Andrew another clue. Did he play for Charlton as well? Yes. Yeah, I thought he did. After Brentford, he's a bit of an unsung hero. Yeah, he is. Someone that went under the radar. But I tell you what, he made us tick. No, I'm not going to get it. Go on. Keith Jones. Oh, you absolute anorak. 
Pete, Pete Jones. Chelsea fans, die hard Chelsea would remember. Yeah, they would known Chelsea. Yeah, Chelsea. I remember Charlton. I remember him at Charlton as well. Yeah, after Brentford, was it? But you said he was yeah. the defense. He was the defense. He was the holder. I wouldn't say defensive he, midfielder, but he was the holder. Yeah, Jonesy was the holding midfielder. He he always showed for the ball. It didn't matter. It didn't matter if he'd given the last two or three away, he, which he which he wouldn't because he was that good on the ball. He would just serve that ball from A to B, you know, over 10, 15 yards, always come behind the ball. He used to slaughter me if I got any space. He, he was the first one that really taught me about spacing. He'd tell me in no uncertain terms of throw-ins. He'd look at a corner of his eye, you know, what the F out of the way, get out of my way. You know, he he was a real leader and great captain, never happy, never, ever happy. Didn't like the youth team either. He'd laugh if he is that. We were like, oh, no, is, not, is it fair to say that he'd put his foot in as well? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he, he put his foot in as well, yeah. Because yeah. the youth team, we had to put our foot in, you see. And whenever we, you know, we was always overtraining with the first team. And of course, Jonesy was, he was the one would just look at you as if to say, what are you doing here? You know, what, and if he was in his team, he's almost like looked at, you know, in a, not in a, in a professional way. Yeah. You better do it. You better be ready. And yeah. um, one day, one of the lads caught him, Jason Cousins, who, who could easily have got in this team as well. Cousins, who, who, who liked to tackle Jace, he, he caught him in training one day and uh, it went off badly. And, um, you know, he sort of carried on. But yeah, they, Jonesy kept looking at him forever after that, you know. <laughs> he, he, um, he absolutely trained like he played, Jonah. High Brilliant. levels, high levels, Marv. You, you'd have played with players like that, just unrelenting. Yeah, yeah. Demanding, but, but, demanding. Yeah, de- demanding. And, um, you know, but 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 a, a great person, a person I respect an awful lot. Fantastic. So next to Keith is? Oh, completely creator. different. Creator. Completely yes. different to Keith. No, he's not a creator in my no? mind. No. Oh, okay. So, I mean... He gets goals. Was he at Charlton? <laughs> You're a funny lad, Marv, aren't you? Was he? I don't know. Who did I you say? I thought, was, I thought you said, was what? it Jack Charlton? No. I said, was he? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> Is it that much of an age gap between you two? No, what? no. Was he, was he at Charlton as well? At Charlton? This no. player took... This no. new player? No, he's not. He wasn't. No. I don't wow. think so. Oh, okay. This player, I thought he was a good player. He got goals as well. All right, go on. Nah, I, yeah, I, I know you think it is. I know you think it is. I didn't play with him. I didn't play with him. I took his place. Mark Kinsella? Yeah. They got rid of Mark and got me. Oh, right. Okay. Well, that, you well, that I, was waiting for Mark, I was waiting for Mark to go. So then I was Perfect. You cleared that one. In. I thought you played with him. Sorry. Then is that your guest then? Are you gone? That is was that my guest. Yeah. No, I'm not done yet. I've He's a brilliant one. player. He's a brilliant yeah. player, Sheedy. His nickname is Sheedy. Go on, carry on. Keep going then. Centre midfield. Right. So I can give you as many clues now then, yeah, Andrew? Was that Ipswich? So he's... Was that Ipswich? No. Oh, that's who I was thinking. He was a manager. He got promoted with one of the Bristol clubs. Um, he, he absolutely maximised his potential as a player. He was out in the mornings doing extra. Was he an international uh, was in the box every single time the ball was crossed. Yeah, was, I think he was. I think he was. He certainly worked with the international team as a as a coach for Wales. He went. He went. He played for Fulham at the top level. Done a brilliant job at Fulham, and he played in midfield with me at Torquay. Oh, 
he's actually he actually we've spoken about a manager on on that's in my back four that he's assisted assisted a lot and is assisting him now. No, There's only two names that come to my head, and on, one is one. One. one is Coppinger. I did play with Cops. He's a brilliant player, by the way. Yeah, and he was at Bristol, I think. Well, was it? No, he's at Doncaster, wasn't he? Yeah, Exeter, Doncaster. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the only other one I gone. Sorry, I was going to say. Did you say he got goals? Correct. Oh, he scored goals. Yeah, he scored goals at Torquay for fun. But I think he played a bit more defensive when he went to Fulham and Derby. Oh, that's throwing me now. I was going to say Am- I was going to say Ampadu, but no, not Kwame. I played for Kwame. Was more defensive. The only, the only. I mean, I know it's not these two because I was thinking of like Dizel. Did you play with Dizel? Yes, great did, player. Oh, so, and the only other one I could think of was the Grant Williams uh, guy, midfielder Williams. Grant Williams. Williams. Yeah. Yeah. No, it won't. It won't. I know it won't then because he went and talked. I know. Nah, I played with him. Good, great players as well. But this this player. This this player again, I have just so much respect for players that maximise their potential, you know, through hard work. And he he done this. He went on loan to Derby, and Sturridge come the other way, who was top striker. You've you've done us anyway. Go on, you have to go. Yeah, go on. You've done what us. You got? Go on, you've Paul, done us. Paul Trollope. Wow, oh, should have got that. Shoot. Have a look should've at his got... career. No, yeah. I, mean, I know who you straight away. Straight away, I know. Exactly yeah, he's assisted. He's assisted Chrissy as well everywhere. Troll. Fantastic player. Yeah, he's a great player. Fantastic player. Uh, Marv, you're gutted, Marv, aren't you? Gutted. I am. I am. I should the have got that. <laughs> that's a doable name. That's a, that's a, you know, there's some names that aren't doable. That's a doable name. That's yeah. really, that's really annoying. Paul, so he, he was, a, he was the goal machine, was he, in that team? He was. He was. We played three midfield. There was Don, the, the manager that sat. He pinged it around. I suppose I'd done a lot of the doggy work in that team. And kept it simple, and Troll Troll just bombed on. He bombed on, and he he, he got beyond the strikers. But I, I remember, like he was always in the box. Any time the ball was crossed, that was his. And that's I tell you, that's a that's a really simple thing, Marv. That, but that's a great message to a uh, a midfielder if you want to, you know, create goals. Would, and you, score would goals. you be in there? Would get you, in there. Yeah. yeah. Would you say so? Probably similar. Not. I mean, just down the league a little bit to a David Platt, maybe. It's like Platt, it's like, you know, Lampard was, Lampard, was yeah. unbelievable at it. I, I played against him a few times and he was unreal at his timing and that. The troll was simple. I mean, he was just literally, we were, we were getting crosses in the box and he would he would just be in there. He yes. would arrive and he had, and he could get back as well. So he was really fit. So again, you know, you could, he was able to do it and, and not sort of, I wouldn't say cheap, but sort of like be a luxury. Right. Yeah. So, if you said that Trollope was obviously in central midfield, where was your favourite position to play yourself then? Where did you love to play? Was it on the wing or was it in the centre? Well, yeah, me, me and Mark spoke... Uh, sorry, you mean where did I like to play? Yeah. You, yeah. yeah. I, I, again, when you're a, young, you're a young player, you play where you're told to play. Um, so, you, when, you're trying to, when I was trying to break in the team at Brentford, it, it was 4-4-2. We had really good wingers and strikers, and my job was just to serve the ball. I actually wasn't allowed to go beyond the ball. And I was saying this to Marv, in the, in, in the youth team in the reses, I scored goals. I scored goals as a young player, and I, I thought I could score goals, definitely. And, but that wasn't the job. They didn't want that. And if I didn't do it, you wouldn't play. So, I had to stay behind the ball for a number of games at Brentford. That's what I did. I think managers then... You get an opportunity when you leave a club. You get an opportunity to say, "This is, you know, this is what I'm good at," or you know. And I think I did that in my career. I took a lot more risks than you know when I 
when I went to Colchester, I started to get a few more and then all the other clubs, you know, make the box, make the box a bit more and, and uh, take more risk. And, and I, the one thing I could do as a player was run. So I knew I could get back. I knew, and I also knew, I learned quickly, if I went, then my man had to stay with me. And if he didn't, then, then you know, it's really dangerous. If you can be a midfielder arriving in the box, Marv would know that. That's dangerous, you know, if, if you can come in there for the cutback. Um, yeah, so I, I like to create goals and score goals. Do you like to play in the old-fashioned kind of number eight? Is that your favourite? Yes. Yeah, that would have been that would have been perfect, yeah. Fantastic. So next to or on the wings, we've got Pete Jones in the middle. On the wings Trump, now, yeah. Up in the middle. Which side, left Who's or right? Well, I think the left side, and we can mention a few after, might be a bit of a no-brainer. This is someone that I served my apprenticeship with at Brentford, who went on to be an international player and play a number of number of games in the Premier League. I think I I think I got it. Would he would he would he play as a set of forward as well sometimes? Yes. Where did he go to? Wimbledon. He went. To, he went. He got. He got bought on deadline day to go to Wimbledon. I think Joe was Joe Kinnear the manager then. He probably could have been. Yeah. About that time, did he play? Do you know what? I'm going to say. Mar- say I'm going to say Marcus Gale. You got it, Andrew. Yeah. yeah. You know, I was. I'm going to know him whether or not he's. He was a. Yeah, I suppose he could play on the wing, didn't he? As well, yeah. Yeah. He was the left I winger by he, trade. Yeah. Did he not start there, Bucks? So that was his position, wasn't it? Hundred percent. Yeah, Gailey, Gailey was Gailey was uh, was left winger. He, he, he again. How would you describe Marcus? He's a great friend. He um, it's an he, athlete he, powerhouse, he, wasn't he? Yeah. Not as a kid, he could run. Could he not? Oh, I didn't know that. Marv, as a kid, he'll be laughing if he listens to this. <laughs> we, you just see Gailey like it go. You know, we just run and run at Brentford. I mean, as a kid, we Colin Lee run us and run us and run us. Whether it was twelve minute runs whether it was eight-mile runs at Richmond Park, or he loved the 60-second lap. Colin Lee loved the 60-second lap, Marv. And you go, and, and, and he would like, you know, you'd go like shoulder-to-shoulder racing. And then if he thought you were getting comfortable, it'd be one go one way, one go the other. But all you could see was gaily. His head had dropped down, you know. <laughs> he said, oh, not again. And um, we, we, we would, you know... We were. It was no. There was no room for for feeling sorry for anyone. You know, it was a little bit dog eat dog at the time into an apprentice. But he couldn't run. I, I really felt for him. I was like, Gailey, come on. You know, you'd be lapping him. You wouldn't want to lap him in the twelfth minute. I mean, you'd be lapping him after a few laps, Marv. Not like on the right. Um, yeah. right. You'd just see the big man like his head down and he, he's struggling massively. And and we, me and Robbie Peters, like, and we'd come tearing round and just go by him and. And he'd say, just go, just go. He couldn't run for about a year. He really struggled. And um interesting. They 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 persisted with him. They saw in him there was something there. And um he become unbelievable. I mean, he was unplayable. Yeah. I mean, he he could cross he could beat you and cross it. He could get it outside of his left foot and whip it round. It, you could hit him on diagonals, which was a big part of our style of play back then. And he, he got in the first team. He was the first one that you, you saw him go in the first team and, and he could handle it. You know, when he got in there, I think out of all of us, we a lot of us, you know, you were fighting to keep your place. Daly went in there and he made an impact. And he said, you know, I can handle this. And then he grew into his body. I think at the time, you know, he was still growing. I mean, we right. know a lot more about waiting for players, don't we, now? Yeah. And, uh, 
but yeah, once it once everything clicked, he become an absolute force, Marcus, top player. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely, and got his just rewards with a with a move to Wimbledon. He he did, and Rangers. Yeah. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yes, and then was it Charlton as well, or am I imagining that? I don't know. I think I I don't know. But he had a rocket left foot. Yeah, yeah he, he did. Have, he must have played yeah. against him. Yeah, um, did yeah. And full. And great to see a, a great to see like a, a former colleague. His apprentices. You can't. The apprenticeships is the best time of your life. Yeah, it, it is the absolute. You know, you're trying to make a play. You're trying to make it. To see him go and do what he's done just makes us all so proud of him. Oh, fantastic! And on the other wing. So Gailey's on the right, on the left, sorry. And who's yeah. on the right? Yeah, I'm going, I'm going with someone that's really direct and who became a Scottish international. Um, hardest working player I've ever seen in my entire life, uh, I've ever worked with, that I've ever been around. And I've played with this player and I worked with him. And um, one of the nicest people you'll ever meet, but I've never, ever seen work ethic like it on, a, you know, on the training field. Yeah. Is he Scottish? He said Scottish, yeah. He said Scottish, didn't he? Scottish international. Yeah. Um, did he play for Reading as well? No. Uh, he went He went alone to Reading. Oh. Yeah, that's no he might. It's a good question. I'm sorry. It was, it, it, yeah, he definitely played for Reading. Yes, he did. Go on, Andrew. He's more Get- renowned for being a striker. Oh, no. Oh, I, don't know. I know he can play on the right. I was going to go Jamie Mackey. Yeah. Yeah, you got, you got it. Him? Oh, is it? I thought he was a right. I always thought he was a right winger. Yeah, Jamie Mackey then. No, yeah. Got it. No, Mackey's a striker by trade. Yeah. Yep. And, and a very good one. Yes. I thought he played a long, a long while at Reading. I don't. I'm was not he not sure. at QPR as well? Wasn't he? QPR. Wasn't he? He's a legend at QPR. Ah, oh, do you know what? That's what it is. And I'm just forget. I'm yeah. getting the hoops. I'm getting the hoops confused. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he went. I think he. I think he did go go to Reading. He went to Forest, didn't he? He got a move from. Yeah. Uh, QPR. He. His story, again, again, it, I can remember with Mackey, I mean, he couldn't, he couldn't even get on the bench in a conference. No one, all the, all the clubs had said no. I think he was MK Dons and he'd been around yeah. a little. And he couldn't, he couldn't get a game. And again, being Exeter sometimes and talking, you take them players. And, that, and, and, and I played, a, I played a, a part, like we all do as coaches, in his development. But he would never let me go in. It could be raining, and, and in the end, it's like sometimes, I mean, I like staying out and working hard, but I'd like go to creep in and you just go, like, Bucks! If <laughs> you're like, come on. <laughs> he wanted to work and he was unrelenting, unrelenting in his pursuit. I, I, I said to him, Jay, you should, you should go around to all the clubs because he is the ultimate of maximising your potential. Because if you'd have said to him, I watched him come on, he, he, he treated me and uh, my eldest boy, Johnny, to go and watch his debut or he's going to be sub against Spain. I couldn't believe my eyes, Marv. We sat up and he was warming up and he was looking at the bench and he, in his second half and he kept looking up and he's going like this. And anyone that knows Mackie, would you, he's going like this. Going, oh, Jamie, you're like, he's, as if to say, is he going to put me on? Is, 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 is. And, and, and then he would go back and he'd sit and he'd start looking at the next, and God, I think 60 odd minute they put him on. First thing he'd done, ball in the channel, Puyol just ragdolled him. Absolutely like, and that had come from, I'm talking about a story. One morning, I'm in the coffee shop really early um, in Shouldon, this little place just before Exeter. And the car goes by and, and it's a horn. So I look, look out the window 
and it's Mackie on his own. And there was a few of them living in the house, Danny Seaborn, Sawyer, Paul Jones. And it's rare to see one of them in the car on their own because, you know, they've got no money, so they carpool in. And I go, come on, uh, come in, have a drink. He's like, no. He goes like this. He goes, no, I can't, he can't afford it. He can't afford to, to have a coffee. He can now. He, um, he goes, I, where are you going? He goes to the gym. I said, Jay, we... It, 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 when you're going to the gym it's, we, it's the hardest day today it's a Tuesday we're doing gym work doing double session triple sometimes I said no I still go to the gym I went back in the coffee shop and I'm like oh my God. He's, he's obsessed he's obsessed with being a player and and that was just one part of it it's unrelated knocking on the door and tears like yeah come in why not playing you know in a respectful way I need to be playing you know and when he got in it was one of them where talk about be ready. When you ask players to be ready, he got in and he absolutely tore it up. He then like, he then, um, when I was a manager at Torquay, because he was living down in, he he was living down right by me. So now they've become the enemy because I'm the manager at Torquay and they're all playing for Exeter. And um, we playing them on New Year's, New Year's and that, you know, he played the derby games and he, he, he tore us apart, Mackie. I couldn't talk to him. I couldn't even look at him. You know, and he and he and he and, and, and he, he didn't think nothing of it. And I told him after, I said, Jay, be careful in this next game, because I think we had him straight after Boxing Day News. Like, I said, you're man mark now, you, you know. And I think I think Chrissy Todd caught him really, really late. And um, we had to do that to stop him. And I got I got a phone call from Paul Sturrock actually and said to me, Jamie Mackey, I said, Yes, hundred percent Paul. He said, They want, you know, they want this, they want that for him. I said, all day long. You won't get anyone like him. And it's that same with Neil Warnock rung me when he was at QPR. What do you think of Mackie? You know, managers doing their, their own work. They just went and went and went. And got his just rewards by skinning Poyo in his day. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Who would have ever thought that? <laughs> Fantastic. So, strikers. Strikers, two out-and-out goal scorers. So, the two the two wingers are going to get me goals in Mackie and Gailey. Yeah. Troll, Trollop's getting me some goals, bombing on. And these two are definitely getting me goals. The first one Wimbledon? is... What? Went to Wimbledon as well? No. Really? No. 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 This one um, played for Luton. He was manager of Millwall for a short spell. And he signed me. I was his captain and he was playing manager. I think I've got it. You got it, Andrew? I'm going to have a guess. These, this one was never on my radar, but the one I'm thinking of, this is me being a digging deep again. Oh, yeah, I had to dig deep, Marv, with this because I changed. Did he? Did he? Times. Did he also play for Cambridge? He did, and he never used to like wearing shin pads, Andrew. Yeah, a bit of Jackie Grealish. <laughs> um, <laughs> go on, Marv. Oh, gosh, it just went out of my head then. Oh, Steve Claridge. Yeah, Steve Claridge. I didn't realise you you were that old, Paul. What a player! Steve Claridge yeah, is still yeah. playing now, Andrew. He's the oh, fittest man, gosh. fittest man I've ever met in my life. Uh, if he if he still played now, he probably would have got all ninety two clubs because he played for pretty much about <laughs> half of them, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, man, that man's uh, that man's agent must be a millionaire because he's he's suddenly transferred. <laughs> but, but I have to say, what Bucks has just said there, he, he when he was at Luton as well, he was unbelievable. Like we had like your Paul Telfers who could run, like Claridge just could just take off and just be going. He's like he's sprinting a long distance. Like six mile run, it's sprinting it. Wow, it's like yeah. What what, what what type of striker would you say he is then? Because I know is he a poacher, a pace man, an over the top person, a holder up? Tell you what, he's deceptively quick. 
mm. his, his brain, his brain is... So if you look at Steve on the field, you know, he's got no pads. I remember him arguing. So he, he signed me, like at the end of my career, he signed me at Weymouth, right? So Weymouth had a decent budget. They're looking to go for it. And um, and uh, I, 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 went and, I went and signed for him. Two things. He, the first one was I was at Aldershot at the time. So we'd just been promoted with Aldershot out of that league. And um, he'd come to the game. And, and at a time, a little falling out with, with Terry Brown. Like, so Brownie had put me on the bench. When Claridge had come to watch me, it's all arranged. And I hadn't gone on. I hadn't gone on. He's gone from the top. Marvel know this. He don't care, Steve. He's gone from the top right now saying, are you going to put him on? You're going to put I've just, I've travelled. You know, and what? Like, yeah. So I went on. He took me. I played in the game with him. He, in the first, one of the first games, the pre-season game. We've gone out to the middle and he's waiting there, to, you know, to, to, to flicking up. And the referee's gone, Steve, you know, can, you know, pull his sock, the socks up. And, um, she goes, shut up. And, and I'm, I'm watching this go on for about five minutes. Wouldn't do it. And in the end, the ref backed down. He just would not pull his socks up or, you know, he didn't have any pads on. And he looked, he looked like he was never going to, you know, you're told to look right and have his shirts out. He looked like, you know what I mean, Mark? Like he yeah. couldn't have a turn of pace. Like he, he weren't a professional footballer. But I tell you what, his first touch, and he had this move, he had this yeah. move where, yeah, you got it right. So he had this move where he would come in and he'd back in and he'd take it in one way, bump gone. Yeah. And he'd tell you what he's... And, and in answer to your question, he was... I think he was like... He was horrible. He'd get his body in. He'd get fouls. Um, he could finish, I mean, in the box. But the biggest thing why I love playing with, with Steve was... And, and this is not... But as a manager, he got the best out of me. He was, I think he was brilliant as, as a gaffer at getting the best out of you. He'd say to me, Bucks, just run beyond me. So when it comes into me, so we had like good players like Phil Pot, Lee Philpot and uh, Martin Barlow, would quality ball into him, right? He'd say, just run beyond me. And what he what he done, he said, he's, and Marv will know this, so if Marv, you're marking him, he'd tell me to just break that line, go, you know, so into him, and he'd play it around the corner. He'd just, he'd just nick it around the corner into my path and I could then just break, break through. He did it so many times. And he'd say to me, Paul, if I don't give you it, or I play it back into it, you'll already be in the box. Your momentum. And he said to me, I want you, a bit like Trollope, I want you in the box. Every time the ball's crossed in the box. And I ended up getting 13 goals with him. And then about six in the next year before he, he moved on. But he was he was brilliant to play with. Absolutely brilliant. Aggressive. And you you know, Marv, because you he, he was with you. Yeah, yeah? I mean, he, kept, he was at Luton for a short while. And I, and I was very surprised. He, he, he wasn't there long because he was... What, in my opinion, a, a perfect Luton player in all what you've just spoke about, how he loved the ball into his feet, got his backside into you, brought other players into play. He was a, a real, and, and a goal scorer as well, like yeah. you said. So, yeah. I mean, he was a perfect player for Luton, but for whatever reason, um, I'm not sure if he got unhappy or whatever and he wanted to leave. And the rest is obviously history because he had a fantastic career at Leicester as well, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he scored in cup finals. Yeah, he would have been brilliant for Luton because, like, you, with 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 Steve Claridge, you you didn't even have to look. You knew where he'd be. You could play it around the corner. He was always there, pinning. Yeah. yeah. So, talking of your time at Luton, um, obviously you went there. You're a manager um, when they're in the conference. Just talk through kind of your your memories of of being manager of Luton. I know you went there for a huge amount of time, but hmm. I mean, yeah, I think you can I... touch on it. You can mean because I don't think you obviously you could have. I mean, the most people realise why you left Luton, 
obviously. But I mean, again, you mentioned it earlier. You're, you know, you're you're, t- you're stuck to sort of like stipulations, which when you sign something that you can't really speak about it. But maybe you might be able to elaborate a little bit why, yeah. obviously. Yeah. For, well, for, first of all, Andrew, I was extremely proud. I, I was I was flattered that that Gary Sweet had, had uh, got in touch and offered me the job. I was absolutely thrilled and it was a no-brainer for me. I was never going to say no. It's a club I knew really well. It was a club that was found itself in the conference, just like, you know, Torquay had, of course, a much bigger club than Torquay, but with the same troubles. You know, Torquay, everyone wanted to beat Torquay in the conference every game. They raised their game and it was no different at Luton. So I felt, I felt well-equipped to go and do it. It was close to where I was born. I knew the club and... Um, I knew how difficult it is to get out of conference. Really difficult. So I was extremely proud. I don't have, I don't think, I only have one picture on the wall of when I've lost and the one you can see behind, which is the little one, because I'm so proud of it at Wembley, because we went so close in that, that bit where I come in and took over from Gary. Um, we agreed to deal quickly. I, 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 like I said, I had really good staff there. You know, Alan Nielsen, uh, Simon, uh, you know, in the medical department, it was all set. And what Gary had said to me was that the club run like a championship club and he was spot on because he was, he made in no uncertain terms they were going to get back to the championship. He was cl- crystal clear on that. And I could see it. I could see the way the club, you know, functioned. When I, when I got in, I had to hit the ground running. We were trying to remember the game that I watched before taking the game against Hayes and Yedin. I can't remember the team still, Marv. No, Alan, Devonshire, Alan Devonshire was the manager. And, um, oh, was it was it Hastings? No, no. Uh, Alan Devonshire was 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 the gaffer, and anyway, it was a small little ground. We, it was a Saturday. Um, I sat up with Gary and Wilco to watch it, and cards and Nils took the team. We got beat three 0 over a thousand behind the goal, and and uh, Wilco joked with me and leant down and said, "It's not too late to back out." But I was never going to back out. I was never ever going to show responsibility there because. It was such an honour to, to be the manager there. It really was. Biggest club I managed. I loved my time there. We just missed out. I mean, in that first year, we hit the crossbar. So to go, to, to be 18 points behind someone like, was it Wrexham at the time, yeah? We, we took 14 points out of a possible 18 to get to the playoff final. And I couldn't have been more confident in the team in that yeah. playoff final. You know, we'd had heartbreak the year before when we lost on penalties, if I'm right in staying. Yep. Um, Wimbledon. Yeah. yeah, Manchester, Wimbledon, right? So if you think about it, it was 100% the right call. At that moment, when I'm leading the team out of Wembley, it was 100% right from Luton's perspective and mine that, that I'd come in and been able to take them points, you know, interact with new staff, a new team. But on that after that game on that Saturday where we got beat 3-0 and it weren't good, I had to move quickly and I knew I had to do that. And we was at Kenilworth Road on the Sunday morning. You know, there was no day off. That was a planned day off. I wasn't ready to do that. We needed to toughen up. We needed to defend the box better. And we did a set play. My first session was defending set plays at Kenilworth Road. And I said, if we got a steeliness about us and we got, you know, we could fight, then we would have a chance because we had some quality players, but we needed it in that order. And we got it. I think we got it. I think I was proud of that, that start. I was devastated to lose the final. It's the worst feeling in the world. Still angry about the, the, the goal that was given against us, which Mick 
kindly, you know, Mick Hartford, who, uh, if he's what if you're watching Mick, get well, mate, um, said, you know, this game should still be going on because we were robbed with the offside goal. But look, that's that. Um, I had a great time. The second year, of course, in the league wasn't what, what I wanted and what we expected, of course, but that can happen. But alongside that was an incredible, unprecedented cut run for us. So yeah. I suppose you can't have it all. If you'd have said to me in 50 games, we'd have got to a playoff final and, you know, got us further in the FA Cup than we have done since probably 93. I'm not sure to turn that down, although I'd have loved, I'd have loved promotion. But yeah, I'd love my time. And like Mark said, when I left, Andrew, it was a really unique situation because my wife had been offered a job in the States with NBC to host the Premier League. It couldn't be released because she had to wait for them to release it. I went in confidence, obviously, to Gary and said I'd made my mind up that, that I was going to go. It was an opportunity for my wife that she would probably never have got in the UK. And I thought about it long and hard. Um, I'd been had some personal problems as well in terms of gone through a divorce. Uh, that is the gospel truth of it. Two children from my first marriage, Johnny and Chloe. Um, one was 16, one was 18. So Johnny was, was going to be an apprentice at Torquay. Chloe was, you know, up and running and, and, and the age she was that. And I felt the opportunity was, was, was right. And so I, I wanted to go. Gary was brilliant with it. Wilco, they wanted me to stay on to the end of the season. But you're talking about February and we were going to be moving in May. And if you're going to emigrate, which is what we did, we were emigrating. Yeah. I had to put family first. And it went out as personal reasons because it couldn't be, be said. And I suppose that might have looked like I was walking away from the job, but no chance. wasn't afraid of... If Luton had decided that I wasn't right and I couldn't have got them up because there was a lot of games left, I'd have took that on the chin. No problem. No problem at all. Um, but that was the real reason why I had to leave and go. And um, who, who knows if, if I'd have stayed. There was, it was a good squad. I made, of course, at, at times when you're putting a squad together, you're not going to get it all right. But in the 50 games, I suppose, that my, my return as a manager, you look at your win percentage, that's, that's what you do. Um, I was proud of, but I love the club. I still love the club. I'm delighted the job that Nathan's doing now. Um, he's done a brilliant job and I'm so pleased they're back where they belong. Um, no. but yeah, that's, that's the story, really. No, thank you for your honesty. Um, I think it's it's important. We're speaking before the pod um, about managers having an opportunity to have their say, um, and so often they don't get a chance to to put their perspective across. Uh, so it's fantastic to hear from you to actually have an opportunity to to say what actually happened and clear and clear some of the and clear some of the kind of the, the speculation is probably the best way of putting it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, some, sorry. Sometimes, as you you know, you say, oh amicable agreement and stuff like that, right? Luke, the one great thing about the leadership at Luton was that they had sort of understood how difficult it was to get out of the league. And they, they absolutely got it right with John Steele. Of course, I've come up against John a number of times and 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 uh, someone was always going to get him out of the league. And um, I think all the managers made steps towards that. You, you know that as a manager, when you go in, you, what, what, you know, what you're taking on. We spoke about that before, before this podcast. Um, but, I look back and the Luton fans were apps. I mean, to, to walk out of Wembley and see 30,000 Luton is something most people in this, in their lifetime won't get. I got that opportunity and I couldn't be more thankful when we, when we, we're drawing, you know, I couldn't understand how we can, we can go and beat Wolves and, and Norwich and then not be able to beat Dartford. Uh, but, you know, it, it's part of, 
part of my history. I'm a part of the club's history in terms of being the manager. And I couldn't have been proud, prouder. I was fully supported. And like I say, I, I have nothing but good wishes for Luton. Oh, fantastic. Thank you. We'll move back to our best 11. Yeah. I've got one so, more, right? One yeah. to go. Striker. Striker. Okay, it will be quick. Yeah, he played with me at Brentford and he got a move to Wimbledon. Yeah, Wimbledon, liked wanna... us. Wimbledon, Joe Kinnear, I think he was the guy. They liked us at Brentford, Marv. Similar styles. The, the one I was thinking of before, and yeah. He had a brother as well, didn't he? Played at, they both started up at, um, for the yellow team, I think. This, him and his brother, the twins. You can't mention that team, can you? No. You can wear a hat. Yellow team. Yeah, what's the hat all about? I just noticed that. <laughs> What do you mean? You got a yellow hat on. You got a yellow. Yeah, yeah. Has he got? Turn it round. Turn it round. Has he got a hornet on the other side? Yes. (laughs) No, it hasn't. It's got nothing to do with them. Wash your mouse out, you two. Disgusting. You even saying suggesting that. I can't believe believe you're wearing yellow. That doesn't suit you at all. That's my favorite. That's always been my favorite color as a kid growing up. Got nothing to do with that stupid team down the road. All right, but. Let's move on. Enough said about them. Dean Oldsworth. Yeah, you got him. Of course you have. Do you, do you play against him, Marv? Yeah. We, we, like I said, when they're down the road, because his brother used to play centre-half, David. Yeah. I got on well yeah. more with David, to be fair. And Dean was the centre-forward. And um, David, I mean, they were both, like, they gave gave as good as they got sort of thing. But um, did, although, it, did he score against you, Marv? Yeah. Dean Oldsworth, yeah. Yeah, I think he did. I mean, he would have done. Yeah. I mean, underrated, really underrated. I very think. underrated. Yeah, he was surrounded by other kind of maybe more big name players that took, especially at Wimbledon, that took the limelight. Yeah, you're talking Vinnie yeah. Joneses, etc. Those, you know, what I mean, um, Fash. They they were always the bigger personalities, even in that, even going on into the '90s. So I don't think he ever got the full. And obviously, Joe Kinnear took a lot of that face time and, and press time and stuff himself, but. It was something, yeah, Dean Holdsworth was very underrated, but I can never quite put my finger on what type of striker he was. He was a poacher. I just want to say that, is that Bucks, if you got him in that team, was he like the goals? Because, I mean, did you not play with um, another great, well, I wouldn't say great striker, but I mean, I thought he was a good player. Rob Taylor, he was at Brentford, wasn't he? No, he, he played, very... no, Rob was just after. He played with Gary Blissett. Okay. Marv, there was another one who could score goals. They both, the three of them went. Blissett, Oldsworth, and Gailey all went. They took up. They took three of our front four. All went to Wimbledon. And and the type of player Dean was, because back in the nineties, you always had a bigger and a small one, right? So you'd have one flicking it, one trying to get in on the flicks. If the big one comes short, drag the centre half short. You know, Dino would get in. He was. He was quicker than I think a lot of defenders give him credit for at their, at their peril. Um, he knew his strengths. So he was someone that would, I remember making my deb, full debut at Birmingham away and he got the winner. And he and he, and, and I remember in, in all the games, he'd speak to me. So he knew like the, the people that could serve him the ball. He'd make it clear what he wanted. He'd say, don't even look. He said, look, if you've got time on the ball, I'm going to go. I'm going to go behind the defender. Don't fail short. Put it in there, and I'll, I won't let you down. And he did that. And he done that. I remember one at Bolton away where Zach that I, I got it in and around the halfway, and I looked up, and he was gone. He made like that diagonal run, and I just played a straight right. ball over, it and and he would get in. But his biggest strength was he was super aggressive. You know, he was nasty. He was. He was nasty, and he, he is strong, very very strong. But he's, I'd say, 
he played a width for the box, Dino. You wouldn't see him going too far wide. He wouldn't run the channels and all that. He played a width for the box. He would get hold of it, lay it, and get in the box. You know, he, his game was very simple. Get hold of it, lay it. And if he didn't cross it, and if he didn't put it in there, oof, you know, that feedback. If the wingers didn't, if the wingers didn't deliver, because he, he'd just make that run across the first defender. He was brilliant at that. And um, scored a bundle of goals. Great lad off the field as well. We had a brilliant, brilliant team spirit at Brentford, that team. And um, he come from Watford. I think he come on a free transfer. He had, a, I think he broke his leg at Watford. Yeah. David was the one getting in at centre back. Yeah. And um, yeah, Dino. Yeah, top top person. And what about another one at Colchester? We might not play with him though. But Alec Chamberlain had him in his team, and he said like, if he didn't break his leg or do his ACL, he would have probably got a move to Liverpool. This player. He came to Luton as well. Played up front. I'm turning into you now. See, I'm not an anorak like you are. Uh, Tony Adcock. Tony Adcock. Adcock. Yeah, Tads, yeah. Good. Yeah, great player. Right, no, yeah. I didn't know that about Tony. I've literally, so we've been on one of these group chats I told you about. Right. And, and Tads was the last one on. You know, it's like, where's, where's Tads? Where's Tads? You know, like, it's like, and then all of a sudden he pinged up, like, appeared. And he was another one. I mean, the few goals I got at Colchester was, was normally him setting you. You know, he had great care. Could lay you in. He beautiful uh, touch on him. Tad's, yeah. Yeah. Quiet guy, unassuming. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. definitely. So we move on right. to the fo- the manager, obviously being yeah. ex- Which- being a manager yourself. Um, who got him off? I'm guessing, yeah. I think I'm, who's, who's the manager? I think I know. Who, who would manage who's your manager, team? Who's the manager? Yeah, who's going to manage your team? Manage this team, you think? That's managed me that I've played yes. for, yeah? Yeah, your best manager is going to be able to manage the team that you've just picked, and I'm guessing that it's a, a certain man who's at Tottenham. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, Steve Perriman. I mean, yeah, someone that get, that takes a chance on you at 16 um, and gives you your debut, which is everything. And has also been a, a, a great mentor to me because he was at Exeter for 12 years. And make no mistake, they had some really great managers there, you know, that have gone on. But he was behind the scenes. Steve's an expert of being behind the scenes, right? And not at the front of it. And, um, but, but to play nearly a thousand games for Tottenham, Captain Tottenham, he's had a massive impact on, on my career. And uh, yeah, yeah, he's, 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 he was a great manager, Steve, because, because he was totally dependent on having a gaffer that would believe in the young players. If you haven't got that, you've got no chance in an academy. If, if the gaffer won't play you, Yep. Um, and so many, so many of them now are under pressure to get the wins. We know the role of the manager now. Um, but no, Steve, Steve Perriman, he's a class, absolute class act. Um, so I'm, still, I'm, still, I'm still pretty scared of him now, actually. A bit frightened <laughs> of him now. You know, like, he's got that edge to him. So Steve Perriman would be the man you're going to pick to lead this 11, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stevie P would be the guy. Excellent. Okay, Fantastic. so I'm, I'm out here with you now. I obviously... Um, speak to you quite often and I know a lot of what you are doing now but maybe some of the clubs who you managed back in England don't actually know what you're up to and been up to since you've been out in America so we'd like to finish off with you just give us a little bit about what you're doing now yeah no no problem mate um, so so I come to the States obviously in 2013 um, completely different you know as big as Lou and I and, and the other clubs that I've worked with in America they didn't have a clue so I was up against it I, I started again Marv 
I sort of went back to what I said to you about learning my trade. So I took a, an academy uh, in New York, had it led, led that up, it was on its knees, really was a success when I left two years later and got a break with a club called Sacramento Republic, big team in Northern California, which meant us moving from East Coast to West Coast, which is about, you know, thousands of miles. Um, I had three good years there. And then really I felt fulfilled. I felt like I'd done what I wanted to do. I had no real desire to manage an MLS. And I decided, um, my father-in-law suggested that I should consult, be a consultant. And I didn't really know that the owners and ownerships had advisors. I didn't really know that. But when you when I dug a bit deeper, everything's decisions, Marvel. Like everything in life is a decision, more or less. And football clubs are making decisions on a regular basis. So with the new clubs starting here, uh, which is there's loads of USL starting up, brand new clubs. Somebody's going to give them the ideas on what to do and if they say what they want, how do they get it, that type of thing. So that's what I do. I've got my own consultancy business. I work for a number of clubs. Um, I lead uh, an academy. Uh, obviously, I went back and had a spell with Southampton to, to, to sort of revisit what they're doing in academies now. Yeah. Uh, I've done affiliations, so I affiliated Southampton with. Hartford Athletic. Um, I work in a, a, you know, I work a lot of hours for Hartford. I work with a great guy called Bruce Mandel, who's the owner at Hartford. But basically, it's getting clubs to, or owners, to choose the model they want. So what do you want? What are you looking for? Okay, once I understand that, then I can then go and help them recruit, get what they want. Or say, if they say to me, Paul, how do we do this? I give them the strategy. That's, that's, that's what I do. I have a an analysis guy that work alongside me that will do the presentations with me for clubs. And it's all types of help. Sometimes clubs can't win. Sometimes clubs, you know, haven't got the framework right. But ultimately, it's about profiling. Just like I spoke about NAIF now at Luton. It's a great chemistry. Um, it's a great fit. And um, I think, you know, if you can profile it, it's got, a, you know, it's got a chance of working rather than just sort of like, not knowing your why you're bringing people in. So that's that's what I do now. I love the job. Um, I'm busy, as you would know from, from being here. I'm busy in a lot of different aspects of the club. I don't miss management, um, but I love seeing managers like Harry Watlin. So it's important for me to mention a young head coach, Harry Watlin, who um, I employed at Hartford. Harry come out of the academy at West Ham. He's 31. Um, I can offer him support, you know, in what's a really high-pressured role. So that's where I'm at now. Um, also help a couple of clubs in England as well. Um, so, yeah, just trying to help people be successful. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, it was lovely to hear from your team and all the ex-players, and that was Paul Buckles, my best eleven. <laughs>